Hey, welcome to the 37 Years Podcast. It's Mike Dubin, Matt Dubin, and we're joined by Avery from Cleveland today, Matt's friend. And we're doing this live from City Field. This is an experiment for us. We've never done a remote. We've never had a guest. And we're going to do it. It's a little pregame right now. It's our first trip out to City Field this year. Uh, we're going to focus on the Mets today. The, we've done a lot around the Knicks and Jets lately, and not enough in the Mets. And all of my baseball friends have uh, told me we need to focus on Mets. But we're hitting this at just the right time um, because the Mets are actually playing well the last few games. They took two or three from Tampa Bay, probably the most thrilling game of the year a few nights ago against Tampa Bay with uh, the young guns hitting home runs and then Pete hitting home run. And then Friday night, and then they won Thursday afternoon against Tampa Bay, and then Friday night against Cleveland, another great comeback win, which of all things, Lindor getting the winning head against Cleveland. And Avery, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the Mets-Cleveland connection in a second. Um, Just to give you one last thing before I I turn over to Matt is, we're here at City Field for the first time this year because the weather and all the other distractions we have. The new scoreboard is awesome. Um, with, with a, you know, a lot of new food choices. It's Francisco Lindor bobblehead day, so that's pretty cool. Matt, what are your thoughts on the Mets so far and, and recently? No, the, the recent thrilling win with Lindor was, was awesome, unbelievable. It's great to be back at the ballpark this year. I feel like, as we were talking about before, the Mets haven't had a ton of home games and just chances for us to even go. It's been a little chilly. Great ballpark weather, like a crisp 65 to 70 today. Good to be here with my friend Avery and have a different perspective. Our first guest on the podcast, which is really exciting, as my, my dad hasn't iterated before, but uh, just super cool to have some a different perspective. And yeah, great to be here and great to, to chat about the Mets today. Yeah, so uh, Avery, welcome to our podcast. Welcome. I appreciate and it. And Avery's, Avery's wearing his uh, Cleveland Guardians hat, and I kept calling him Indians on the train, but it's Guardians. So the Mets and Guardians made, and I guess they were the Indians, made like a very monumental trade a few years ago. And we got Lindor, and we'll talk about that, but talk to us a little about Andres Jimenez and Ahmed Rosario. Um, Rosario played a number of years for the Mets, Jimenez had not. What are your thoughts on those guys, and also about losing Lindor? Yeah, it obviously was very tough losing Lindor. that salary situation, but I think the trade benefited both teams very well. Obviously, Lindor struggled that first year, but since then, I think he's picked it up. And for us, there's a couple question marks about Rosario, uh, his fielding skills. He was able to hit the ball a little bit well, but he's actually stepped it up pretty decently. He's been a solid, consistent hitter. And Menez was the big question mark. If he was going to pan out well, I think that was going to be a great trade for us as well. Obviously, when the gold glove last year, he really proved himself uh, very valuable at that. Um, hitting the ball, he could probably focus on that a little bit better, but I think the trade obviously benefited both teams very well. Yeah, that's. A, I think it is like one of those trades where Lindor has become a leader on the Mets. His first year was sort of a bomb with the Mets, yeah, yeah. and last year he was much better, and this year it's sort of slow coming around, but the game the other night was unbelievable, and it was like he was just waiting for that pitch uh, in, in the inning. Now, the Mets have had an interesting season, and you know, they, they, they did very well in the beginning of the year. They had a great road trip out west, beat the Dodgers two or three, and then stumbled for like four weeks. But no one was paying attention because the Knicks were beating the Cavs, and Aaron Rodgers was traded to the Jets. So the, the Mets, it was raining every day, and the Mets, it was like no one was coming to games. And all of a sudden, this week, once the Knicks lost last week, our focus turned to the Mets. The Mets have done some interesting things. One is they brought up the rookies. 
So they have Brett Beatty, Mark Vientos, Francisco Alvarez, only one more guy sitting in the minors, Ronnie Mauricio. Matt, what are your impressions of the rookies so far? Yeah, I mean, I was watching the TV the other day and saw Alvarez has been lighting it up, and he's been great. Uh, I think, we, as we talked about in previous episodes, just the invigoration of youth has been vital to the Mets. Bringing in those veterans, I think, like Lindor and you know Marte and some of those other guys was key to get the ball rolling. But I think the for this season, getting the youth in there, the youth movement is has been crucial to them. Yeah, and I think that the other element that the Mets have done, and we're going to see this today. So in the first game today, we're seeing Scherzer pitch, and in the nightcap, Verlander. And that was the other thing. The Mets did one of these sort of young, old combinations. They lost to Grom. Um, now we have Scherzer. Scherzer hasn't been great this year. He was okay in his last outing. Likewise, Verlander's only pitched really twice. He was good in the first outing, and he, he bombed in his first outing against uh, against um, Tampa Bay. Well, earlier this week, uh, he bombed in his first city field outing. So what we're looking at now tonight is actually an interesting matchup. Uh, Verlander against Justin Bieber. Tell it, Not Justin Bieber. Shane Bieber. <laughs> Justin Bieber. See, I did Indians and I did Justin, Justin Bieber. Bieber. Shane Bieber. How's Shane Bieber been this year? Uh, not quite his ace former self. Um, he's been pretty consistent. His issue is it takes him a while to get going. So the first couple of innings, sometimes he'll give up a couple of easy ones. And the rest of the game, he starts to get going and be more consistent. Um, I'm kind of looking forward to this Tanner Bybee situation today on the first game. Against Scherzer. Yeah, yeah Scherzer. Bybee's been really good for them. The starter uh, last game with seven and two-thirds. Only gave up two hits, which is a great outing for him. I think he's going to make himself really consistent in this rotation while we're waiting for a couple guys. We still have Tristan McKenzie, who's one of our aces, who's also coming for IR very soon. So being able to kind of hold over until these guys come back is really key for them. Uh, the record obviously isn't quite what we would like it to be, but we get the uh, blessing of playing in the AL Central, which is probably the yes. worst division yeah. in baseball. <laughs> so uh, we're only sitting three games out, even more games below 500, but that division is going to be up for grabs. Right, and I think what's great, we were talking about this on the way here, this is an example of the balanced schedule of baseball that we're playing the Indians today. The the Guardians today. Cleveland, <laughs> sorry. I keep messing up. But it's but the fact that we're playing, it's really cool, as opposed to if this was another series against Washington or Miami, where it's very uninteresting. This is a really interesting series. The Mets have their two aces, you know, quote-unquote aces, pitching today. Sango was also great the other night, which is the, sort of the third guy they brought in. So he's been doing it. Um, you know, I think what's really exciting being here, Matt, any thoughts on being in the ballpark, like uh, seeing the new scoreboard and anything? Yeah, no, it's very exciting even just to see the enhancements to City Field over the years. Shout out to Steve Cohen for always making us happy with that. But I think it's something that you've talked about, the locality and geography of baseball, Dad, where... We've always said, and we've talked about this in other episodes, but baseball has tended to be a very regional sport, and I think with this schedule shift, I know, Abe, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this too, is that it's given it more of a national presence and the rule changes. I think baseball is becoming more national, nationalized, per se, in terms of the broader reach on TV, on, you know, it's great to see on Twitter, fans from other localities being able to engage, so I'm excited where baseball is headed as a whole, too. Yeah, absolutely. With the new interleague stuff, I think it's really important because you're going to see a lot of matchups that you never really got to see before and teams coming into your local city that you really never had a chance to see uh, play a lot of. So a lot of these superstars are going to get the chance to enhance their branding and stuff like that, kind of prove themselves worldwide. And a lot of kids will be happy to see some of their favorite players play. Yeah, and I think what's also great is baseball sort of did this at the same time they made the rule changes. 
and I think we think, and I'd love to hear your guys' opinion, my opinion is the pitch clock now has almost become just part of the game. Like, it's not like, oh my God, you know, we're sitting and watching the pitch clock. There are a few violations here and there, but generally it moves faster. I'm always like, oh, late at night I'll flip on the baseball game and it's over, yeah. which is great, and then I can watch the end of the NBA playoff games. What do you think of the rule? Yeah, I mean, it's like... You could go, I've been to games before where you're just sitting there for hours like and wondering when things are, especially extra innings where it's going to end. And, um, you know, the, the, the old school hardcore fans will sit. But it's like we're watching more games throughout the year. I think having that like sort of condensed time will allow for more fans to watch and just allow for a greater viewer experience. Absolutely. The pitch clock changes, like you said, are like – it hasn't really changed the game all that much just besides the timing. Like, the pitch clock hasn't really affected the players. It doesn't seem very much. Um, it kind of makes the thing more consistent. I think it's a very easy transition. Spring training was a great test for them to kind of figure that whole situation out. Um, I think everything's been going really nicely so far. I think yeah, I think I think an interesting thing, though, is some of the guys who played in the minors, you know, and are up in their first year, yeah. they actually played with the pitch clock before. Right. And some of the older guys, like even Scherzer in the first two or three games, were sort of having trouble adjusting to the pitch clock because they were not used to it and they, you know, they take their time and everything. And now I think everyone's aligned on the pitch clock. So we're doing this pre-game, so we'll come back later and do a post-game. But while we still have Avery, i got to ask you, this isn't about the Knicks and the Cavs, but what happened to the Cavs in that playoff <laughs> series, Avery? I'll tell you what, the, the big guys that were so consistent for us throughout the whole year just kind of disappeared with Jared Allen and Evan Mobley. Mobley wasn't too bad. Allen was a real big disappointment for them, I think. Um, Mitchell kind of was inconsistent with, with his, a lot of his play. Darius Garland stepped up. I think it was good to see him in a good playoff series finally. I think he's obviously going to be the point guard of the future for them. Um, yeah, the lack of depth for Cleveland was a big issue for them. Uh, getting Mitchell is obviously really important, but also giving up guys like Sex in the Market, who had really good years in Utah, was kind of a, a bittersweet kind of thing. Um, the Cavs definitely need have a depth issue, and that's going to be their biggest offseason need. I was pretty disappointed on the trade deadline where they weren't going to make any moves. Like, it yeah. sounded like they had a couple opportunities. And they gave away Kevin Love for nothing. Exactly. They and then he's like playing for Miami now. Right. The buyout on that contract, it was nice to get out of that contract because I think mean, that was a really bad contract for them. Like, they're paying him $30 million to play a couple minutes a night at the most if he even plays. But obviously, seeing him do well now is, is really nice to see him do, have success. But, yeah, the, the lack of depth issue is the biggest need that they're going to fill in this offseason. Yeah. Hopefully they can make some moves. Yeah, it's interesting because, like, the Knicks showed up Cleveland and then Miami showed up the Knicks. Yeah. Now Miami is beating Boston 2-0, which is mind-blowing. Chain effects. Chain effects, but we'll see. But listen, guys, it's great having you on. We're doing this pregame. We'll come back later and we'll finish off the podcast and, I'll, and Matt and I will finish off doing the postgame. But thank you, Avery, for joining us. Absolutely. Great first, happy first, to be at first City guest. Field. Yes, happy to be at City Field. And uh, we're going to go eat something now and then we'll come back to you after the game with thoughts on what happened. Thanks, everyone. We'll be back. We are back, and actually it's just Mike who is back, and Matt and Avery uh, were not available for the second half of this. As now we are post-game from the uh, thrilling Mets victory over Cleveland in the first game of the doubleheader today. 5-4 uh, win. We'll, we'll go give a recap of that of our day at City Field. But as you heard in the first part of this pod, uh, Matt and I and Matt's friend Avery from Cleveland uh, were out at City Field. We did the first part on location. Uh, following that first part, we went to grab uh, some Shake Shack food, which... Uh, even though Shake Shack is everywhere now, uh, nothing tastes like Shake Shack at City Field. Uh, we had the double burgers, the, the shake, the fries. 
Um, it, it really is probably the second Shake Shack ever. Uh, the first one was in around uh, 23rd Street in Manhattan in the park, and the Shake Shack there can't really be beaten. It was a beautiful day out at City Field. Um, great game today, really exciting game, and in the tradition of the last week of Mets game, it's almost like the season started this week for the Mets. They're now 24-23, and 23, a game over 500, and this was an interesting game. Um, Max Scherzer pitched in a very, what I would call, routine Max Scherzer game. Six scoreless innings. I think he probably could have went a seventh inning, um, but it was not um, to be in terms of the seventh. Uh, I think they wanted to be conservative with him, and it was a pretty much of a pitcher's duel. Fourth inning, uh, bottom of the fourth, the Mets scored a run. Um, Marte got on base and then got picked off, which, you know, he, he had redemption later in the game, and we'll, we'll talk about it. But um, then uh, Vogelbach got on, and then Gary Sanchez in his Mets debut. I mean, whoever thought we'd see Gary Sanchez on the Mets? Um, just what they need, another uh, catcher, uh, but we'll talk about that in a bit. Um, but he singled, and then um, Escobar singled him in, and Vogelback scored him. So they got a run in the fourth, and then they were cruising along. And in the bottom of the sixth, they got a run. Uh, singles from Alonzo and, and Brett Beatty uh, had a nice single. And then... Um, uh, we, we got to see uh, Sanchez knock in a Vogelbach walked in Sanchez uh, knocked in a run with a sacrifice fly so that was you know it was two nothing Mets bottom of the seventh great right after the seventh seventh inning stretch uh, Nimmo hit a homer so the Mets were cruising along it was three nothing looked like one of those games the bullpen was going to close it out uh, Brooks Raley had come in in the top of the seventh we thought we were cruising and then Adam Adovino came in in the top of the eighth and. You know, Adam Adovino and, and Robertson have been really good this year, but they seem to almost have to show up in every game. And, and there's a point, I think they're starting to tire a little. And, and Adovino, to me, is, you know, solid, if not spectacular. But he came in um, and he immediately let up a double to right. Uh, you know, he was facing the bottom of the Cleveland order and... You know, he got two outs and then a second double by Stephen Kwan. Uh, they got a run, so it was like 3-1, not too worried about it. And then Ahmed Rosario, our old friend, singled, and all of a sudden it was 3-2. And, you know, it looked like uh, Adovino ran out of gas. Buck came out. He brought in David Robertson once again, Buck, both Adovino and Robertson. And like the first or second pitch to Jose Ramirez, all of a sudden it was 4-3. Jose Ramirez put one out. They looked at it on review. So, you know, this looked like same old, same old. It looked like both Adovino and Robertson were, were you know, the, the old bullpen days. Uh, and it looks like the, the usage is catching up to them. And, and this was a doubleheader day, so what made it even worse is who even knows what they're going to do um, in the second game if they need the bullpen. So so then we get to the bottom of the eighth, and it was pretty interesting what happened. Brett Beatty walks, and then Marte, who had gotten picked off before but had made a great defensive play earlier in the game, uh, throwing a guy out at second for Cleveland, 
hits a beautiful homer to right center field. And all of a sudden, it's 5-4 Mets. Uh, Robertson pitching the ninth. Um, no, they didn't do anything more in the bottom of the eighth. Robertson coming in to pitch a ninth. He let up a single, soft single, um, on a ground ball, but then, um, you know, got the next two guys to uh, tap out, and the Mets had another come-from-behind win. Shouldn't have been a come-from-behind win. It should have been a win for Scherzer. Six great innings. He did what he was supposed to. Um, but Marte, um, who has been, to let's be honest, Marte's been struggling uh, a bit lately, but it was great to see him. The crowd was into it. I don't know the exact attendance, but I would say there was about 40,000 there. It was a really, really good crowd. Probably the best crowd they've had all year being that they've, you know, there have been so many rainouts and so many uh, uh, games in cold weather and night games. And they and they played very few home games, And as we hear some of the New York noises in the background. But it's a it was a nice win for the Mets. They're over 500 now, so... Uh, you know, and I think this is where they really started got to get in gear. Now they have a pitching rotation. They have uh, Scherzer. They have Verlander. Uh, Senga's going. It, Carrasco's back. He doesn't look great, but he's back and can hopefully eat up some innings. Uh, Quintana sounds like he's in some form of um, getting back. McGill's been okay. So all of a sudden, the starting rotation looks okay. Now we also have the rookies up. We have uh, Alvarez has been really hot lately. Beatty looked really good, both in the field and running the bases, and just looks like a really good player, sort of in the mold of Nimmo. I think he looks like someone who's going to be a keeper. So very excited to see him up. Vientos has been hitting. Um, and they've just, these guys have added so much, and, and you can sort of see that the Escobars and Vogelbacks and, you know, to some degree, Fam are sort of fading into the background now. And, and I don't even know if by middle of the year, those some or all of those guys will even be on the team. Um, you know, Pete's been Pete. Pete's an amazing, amazing player. Uh, and just you should have seen at the game when uh, Marte hit his home run, Pete was jumping up and down in the dugout. And um, I was with a friend who's a Yankee fan, and I said to him, Yankees can't act like that, but the Mets can. And I think that was uh, the level of enthusiasm and, and just the crowd there was, uh, and Pete leading the cheers, like it was sort of like one of those NFL sort of things where he's putting his hands up. He's just, they should just sign him. Um, they should just really sign him soon. And, you know, and I think he'll be a lifetime Met anyway. I don't think they would ever let him go, but the sooner the better with that um, will be really good. So, I mean, a lot of good signs this last week. I mean, up until the three weeks before this week or so, as I said, fortunately, uh, the Knicks were in the playoffs and we were paying a lot of attention to that. And, the Aaron Rodgers thing in the NFL draft and the NFL schedule took up some time. But uh, today was a, a great day at City Field. Um, you know, they also do these express trains back to Manhattan, and that was uh, something else that we uh, took advantage of today and uh, really, really enjoyed the game. Um, hopefully this is the beginning of something for the Mets, uh, not not the end of uh, sort of a homestand. They go to Chicago this week. I think they play three in Chicago. 
And then they play three in Colorado, which would be nice hitting uh, weather before they come home again and play the Phillies on uh, the day after Memorial Day. So this should be a good stretch. Hopefully they can beat Cleveland in the second game tonight. They have Verlander going. I know the early score is one nothing. Uh, but hopefully that's, that, you know, Verlander needs an, a nice game at City Field. I think it's great that we had a day where we had Scherzer in the afternoon and Verlander in the evening. Scherzer, um, all I can say about him is he looked like the old Scherzer. It was great that Cleveland now has Josh Bell and, and, and they had played together in Washington and you could see them battling a little bit today. Uh, and Josh Bell actually uh, stepped out on Scherzer and got him a little riled at one point, which is interesting. It's also great going to the games and uh, the pitch clock, as we said, and then we saw this in practice again today. While it was a fairly eventful game, it was a game where we were able to um, be out of there in a reasonable time. It wasn't like a crazy long game. Uh, but it was a lot of excitement, a lot of good vibes in the Mets. I think it was, like I said, I think the season for the Mets began on like May 16th or 17th. And I think we have a lot of good baseball ahead of us this summer. So um, I appreciate everyone listening to us. I think it was really cool doing the first part of this with Matt and Avery uh, inside the stadium. And it's great to give everyone a recap. We love the feedback we get. So keep listening. Keep giving us feedback, and we will be back next week. We'll be talking more Mets, and we'll get a little more uh, Jets and Knicks in there. So there's some Knicks, uh, post, you know, postseason stuff, some basketball, and Jets free agency stuff coming up soon too. So thank you very much, and have a good week, everyone.